This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. So my aim today is to help you make your podcast in the minimum time possible. And I don't just mean any old podcast. I mean the best podcast, your best possible podcast. Because it's where a lot of people get stuck, I think, is they spend too much time on every single episode. And it just doesn't fit into your day in the end. It's, even it's just not that fun. The thing is, it's different types of shows take different amounts of time to produce. And sometimes the longer you spend on a show, the higher quality it gets. But the thing is, that's only really if you spend time on the right things. And those things can take less time than you expect. So that's my goal today, is to show you some of those right things that I've learned over the years, and to help you create the best possible podcast in the minimum possible time. My full-time job these days is podcasting with the podcast host. We've got a network of our own shows, uh, and we help lots of other people produce theirs as well through the content we produce. We also create a podcasting tool called Alitu, which helps you to create your show in the minimum possible time as well, from editing, recording, to production. And it's based on a lot of the stuff I'll talk about today. So I've gone from trying to fit a podcast around my full-time job like 10 years ago, through to nowadays trying to fit as many podcasts as I can into my current job. And a lot of that I've found is about cutting out the cruft. It's about really figuring out what's worthwhile in making a great podcast and getting the most from every one that you do create. It includes things like, I'll talk about all these today, things like how to plan in the easiest possible way, and in a way that makes it really easy to actually record that show. When you do record, getting the most from that recording as well. Then I've got a few recording and editing tricks that'll totally annihilate the time you spend editing. And then tools, of course. So how do you find and learn some of the tools that actually help you cut time when creating your show. So that's what I'm going to cover over the next 30 plus minutes. Hopefully leave a bit of time for Q&A at the end as well so we can actually have a conversation. Uh, and I've got some handouts at the front as well. So you don't need to write down too many notes here. I've got some handouts that will give you all the links to further guides and stuff on everything I talk about here. Okay. So the first thing, something I like to talk about a lot, is seasons. Seasons are so good, and I'll get into the detail, don't worry, but they help you to create shows in much less time, but they also are better for the listener in many ways. A season where you actually cover a bigger topic over, let's say, 5, 10, 15 episodes. You're actually linking episode to episode as opposed to talking about a random thing on every single one. So that's what a season is. It's when you take two, three, four months, maybe six, 12 episodes, something like that, to talk about one topic and go really deep. Now, the reason it helps you save time is part of the the first thing, planning Nirvana. So it's just so easy to plan a season of content because you can pick a topic. So many podcasters make the mistake of taking a topic and just doing it on one episode, but instead break it down. Your listeners want the in-depth content. They want to hear all about this. So you take a topic. For example, the stuff we talk about, how to start a podcast. Microphones, big, uh, a big topic every podcaster's into. So we take equipment. I could do a whole episode on equipment, but instead I think, right, how can I break this down into a season? And then you go best mics for one episode, best mixers for another, best software, 
all the different uh, episodes you can get out of that. So you get tons of different episodes out of it. So I plan it out. I can sit down at the start of a season and I can think, right, how do I break this down? I'll end up with maybe eight, 12 episodes, two, three months worth of content. And that is my next two or three months planned out ahead of time. I'll then spend another 10, 20 minutes breaking those down. I'll take the first episode and I'll go a few bullet points in there. What do I talk about inside the best mics one? What do I talk about inside the best mixers one? And at the end of 20, 30 minutes, you've got a plan for an entire season's worth of content. That's why planning of seasons is so good. It means you can just turn up next Monday morning. You don't need to think, well, what am I going to talk about this week? You've got your plan there. You've got every episode planned out ahead of time so that it's easy to do. Because of that plan, batch recording is much easier. You've probably all known plenty about this concept, but the fact that you've got a season planned ahead of time means that you can record four episodes ahead of time. Me and Matthew, who do our How to Podcast podcast, we tend to record three or four at a time. So we've got a month's worth of content out of one recording session. Two interesting ones you can also do with seasons that work really well with seasons. The first is listener-created content, okay? So this is when you will ask your listeners, give us some feedback, write in, uh, not write in, talk in. So you give them a, an answer phone message, something like, uh, you know, a speak, um, uh, a, a page where they can link in, they can open it up, they can leave a message, and they get audio straight to your account. So you can download it and then put it into the podcast. Getting that audio from your listeners right into your show it's such engaging content, and it works so well with seasons because at the end of the season, you can say, right, we're going to take a break. We're off for four weeks. We're off for six weeks, eight weeks. Leave us some messages. Send it in. Go Skype or whatever it is. Email us some audio recordings, and you can then include that in your show. And that break, those four, six, eight weeks that you have off, it's such a good time for your listeners to engage, to send you it in. You can make a big deal of it, promote it on social during that break. It's a really great time to get that content. And because it's all batched, it's all coming in at the same time, it means that you can process it all together. You can get it all in. And again, it saves time rather than it being drip fed in week by week by week. You can do it all at once and have it ready for that upcoming season. Similarly, you've got listener-directed content. Another thing I like to do at the end of every season is ask, right, what do you want to hear in the next season? Again, the break is a great time to do this. End of the season, we'll be back in four weeks. During these four weeks, tell us what you want to hear more of. Get on social, let us know. What do you want to hear? That's listener-directed content. Use your season to do that. And having those ideas in from the audience, it's a great way to save time in your own planning, figuring out what you want to talk about next. And of course, it creates better content because it's exactly what your listeners want to hear about. So seasons work great. Next, how many people here ever record by themselves in their podcast? Can you raise your hand? So not many. It's something that a lot of podcasters don't do because it feels hard. It feels difficult. It feels kind of nerve-wracking talking by yourself. But actually, every now and again, even if you run an interview show, even if you run a co-hosted show, I'd recommend doing a solo show every now and again, especially if you do an interview show because every now and again, it will save you time on the logistics. It takes so much time to book your interviews, to do all that kind of stuff around coordinating. Instead, once a month, let's say, do a solo episode. You can plan that ahead, maybe give you a week, a light week, you know, a bit less work in sort of putting that episode together. And actually, especially if you run an interview show, quite often you're putting the spotlight on your guest during that interview. Instead, once a month, go solo, 
make it easier for yourself, and actually put more of a spotlight on you. Again, just once a month. It works really well. It takes a lot of time out of your planning, out of your recording, out of your, you know, you've got full control. There's no interviewee there to send you off in different, you know, uh, tangents and stuff like that. You can make it really tight, really good content, just going solo. Okay, next we have number three, smart repurposing. So everyone does a bit of repurposing every now and again, a like copy and paste repurposing. But instead, I want to talk about a couple of smart repurposing methods, ways to repurpose your content in a way that makes it more applicable to the medium of podcasting. So the first of which is building on what's come before. So every now and again, I like to do this as well. I'll come up with you know, topics week by week, but then one week I'll just decide I'm gonna make it easier on myself and I'll build on something I've done before. Whether that's a blog post, whether it's a, a tweet thread I've put out, whether it's a, you know, a YouTube video, something like that, I'll build upon that. I'll take a blog post, for example, and I'll start to think about how I could read that out in a, in a way that comes across well in audio. Now, you don't want to read it word for word, probably. It doesn't come across well often when you read like that. But read through your own blog post. You wrote it a while back. And it makes for a great kind of script where you can do some bullet points. I'll quite often read through and I'll write down some bullet points that kind of summarize what that blog post is all about. And then I'll talk it. And often it means that I can do that solo episode we talked about before in just 15, 20 minutes. Because, again, it's a topic I've written before. I've got that guide there. I've read through it. It's all organized in my mind. So I can put it out in a really easy way. So take that or a tweet thread or a YouTube video or something like that. Anything like that. Any content that you've created before and put it out there in a different way. Put it on your audio. Even better, it means you can link from one to the other in a really easy way as well. So if somebody finds that YouTube video, that blog post, you can embed that audio into it. And it means that when they find that blog post, actually it directs them towards your podcast as well. It works really well for a bit of audience growth as well. And you can go back to it too, as in link from the podcast to the blog post, and it gives them another resource to go and read, a bit more value. The other way of smart repurposing is through live broadcast. Now, a lot of people do do live with their podcast, but a lot of people equally do it in a way that I find is not that engaging for the audience because a live broadcast works really well because you're interacting with your audience, you're doing, saying hello, you're welcoming people in. That stuff really isn't that engaging, though, when you're listening to it after the fact. It's great in person, it's great at the time. But after the fact, you're listening to the recording. It can be a bit, you know, you feel a bit left out because you weren't there for the live event. One way I like to go live, which turns into a podcast, again, saving you some time, you can do that live, but turn it into a podcast in a really easy way and make it a good podcast as well, is split that live recording into three, okay? So you go live, you do the welcome, you do the community, because that's what works well on live, like I said, that's how you build your community. You do five, ten minutes of welcomes and, you know, how are you getting on and where are you from and all that kind of stuff. But then a few minutes before you decide you want to do the actual content, you say, right, this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about uh, what mic should you use for podcasting. So I'm going to ask a few questions. You know, what mic do you use? And people will type that into the, uh, the chat so you get a bit of data. What questions do you have about microphones for podcasting? And then you'll get a few questions as well. And then you say, right, I'm going to now, go, I'm going to now do the content part. So we're going to just talk for 10, 15 minutes about this topic. I'll give you all the theory, all the instruction, all the guide. And I'm not going to really watch the chat at this point. I'm just going to deliver the content, okay? But I'm going to come back on after the live, and we'll do a Q&A at the end, so we'll interact again then. That sound okay? 
then you go for it and you actually deliver the content. And even better, that content is going to be great. It's going to be improved because you've taken that input from the audience. You've got their questions, you've got their queries, you can kind of you can weave that into the content you deliver. So it's actually improved the content itself. And then afterwards, you do the Q&A. You can spend 10, 15, 20 minutes, or as long as you like, doing a Q&A afterwards. Afterwards, once you've got the recording, again, the smart repurposing type um, approach, you take off that five, 10 minutes at the start that's just the welcome, and you dive straight into the actual content. You can deliver that as your podcast episode. Potentially, you keep the Q&A in there as well. The Q&A afterwards can be quite handy. It can be quite useful to your listeners as well. So you end up with better content, but you end up with a live broadcast. You're getting more from the content you produce. You're engaging with the community, and it's saving you time because you've got a podcast episode out of that that's good quality and created in advance. Okay, I'm sure most of you here probably use a booking tool for your interviews, for any time you do that. If you run an interview show, no doubt you've used a booking tool before. But there's a lot of things that people don't use the booking tools enough for. I think you can go much deeper with booking tools and it can save a whole lot of time. For example, the way I use it is, you know, one of those biggest time wasters is people just not turning up. So the reminders are often automated inside the booking tool, but if you're not using that already, by all means, get them switched on and make sure those reminders are nice and clear. Another thing, a next level one, is the checklists as well. Often, there'll be a conversation back and forth. When I'm going on a show, people will say, um, they'll email me two or three times saying, make sure you do this in advance, this in advance, you've got this kind of gear, you're in a quiet room, all that kind of stuff. Make sure you can automate this. And any tool like Book Like a Boss or Calendly or anything like that, you can create as many of these emails as you like in advance. And it can save so much time rather than turning up for your interview in somebody's, uh, you know, in a big noisy room and they've, they're on a, a laptop mic instead of a headset mic. It stops that kind of thing happening quite as often. The other thing I like to do as well is those contact methods, those contact links. That's another thing I often see people emailing back and forth and asking for your bio, your headshot, all that kind of stuff. There's no need for you to spend time emailing and chasing that stuff because you can set up automated emails to get those. And if you have those things ahead of time, you have that bio, you have those links, you have a question around, you know, what are you promoting just now, all that kind of stuff, that basically builds your introduction. Again, you don't have to spend as much time researching, searching about for all that info. Ask all those questions in advance, even when they sign up for it. With Book Like a Boss, for example, that I use, I can set it up so that the sign-up form actually asks a whole bunch of questions all at once. So whenever somebody signs up for an interview, they not only book their time, but they give me their headshot, they give me their bio, they give me all that stuff in advance. There's no more chasing, no more email ping pong. It's so much easier. Okay, the click trick is one that I love. So this is one around editing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Any hands up? Anybody use the click trick? There's a few in here, good stuff. Um, it always surprises me how many people haven't heard of this, actually. You might don't once I show you it. But the click trick is around cutting the time you take to edit by actually marking out those edits ahead of time while you're recording and making it really easy to find them in your recording. Some people note down, so you'll be recording and you're trying to keep talking while noting down time codes and stuff like that. But instead, what I like to do when I'm recording is if I make a mistake, I'll pause for a second, I'll say a sentence, make a mistake, flood my words, whatever it is. I'll pause for a second, and then into my mic, I go. 
just three little clicks. And then I'll pause again. And then I'll start speaking again. And often you get in the habit as well, once you start doing this a lot, you get in the habit of actually being able to remember the sentence you completely messed up as well. So I can often start that next sentence with the same set of words. So if I say something, it starts with, um, and then I'm going to do, and then I screw up, and then you pause, you click, you pause for a second again, and I can start the next one with the same words, and then I'm going to continue. And how this works is, it shows up in your editing really simply. You can see that pause there. You can see the three peaks, and then you can see another pause. And when I'm editing, all I'm doing is, you know, 45 minute, an hour long recording, I don't need to listen to every word. There's so many people still listen to every word of the recording. Instead, you scroll through, you look for these pauses, you look for those peaks, and then what I do is I press on the timeline just before that second part, so after the pause, after the clicks, and I listen to the first few words straight after the clicks, and then I can go back and I can match that up with the start of the sentence that I totally messed up. And all you do is drag from the start of that sentence to the end of the pause after the clicks. Hit delete and that's it gone. And it makes it so much simpler, so much easier. I can tend to edit, well for PodCraft for example, it tends to be maybe half an hour long episodes. I can usually edit that, well maybe make four or five mistakes in an episode, if that. Uh, and if you do that, you can spot them so easily. I can tend to edit that half an hour episode in maybe four or five minutes. You're just scrolling through, quick little play, quick drag and drop, press delete, and then it's gone. And it makes your editing time so much easier. So the next one is around what we do actually edit. This is one of the biggest questions we get from readers of the podcast host and all of our content is, how do I cut down the time that it takes for the whole production? So the click trick helps you edit out your mistakes more easily, and then we get to actually, what do you do in the production? Well, there's a couple of things we talk about here, especially for early stage podcasters, and actually it suits later stage as well, but we call it the minimum effective editing, so me, the me method. And this is what I recommend, actually, to many people. Just two things. You do your recording, you try and record it as if it's live, okay, you just go for it and you just act like you're on a live broadcast. You make a mistake, you go, oh, I didn't mean to say that, I'll just continue on and you keep going. And at the end of the day, you have a recording and the two things you do are trim and normalization. So a trim is just actually cutting off the start and the end, you know, those kind of silent bits at the start and the end, you press record, you shuffle your paper and then you start speaking. So the trim is just the beginning and the end so that it's really tight, start and the end. And the normalization, generally you'll get that in any package, any editing package out there. You can just select the whole thing and use the standard default, default normalize. There's not too much to think about there. Okay? And that will get your levels, your audio, at a decent level. And you've got the trim to make it clear. And that's it. I'd say your first 10 episodes, a lot of the early stage podcasters we work with, the best thing they can spend their time on is figuring out how to present well, how to create great content, not how to work out, how to edit, you know, learning these DAWs. So we recommend you just start with this. You can go to a next level one, so the Me Too model, the minimum effective editing too, is just adding in three extra things. So you've got music, the click edit, and hard limit. So the click edit we just talked about. So if you did make some big mistakes that just can't stand, Use your click editing to remove them, okay? You can take them out. Music, 
I didn't include music in the first one. There's no need for music, really. It's nice polish. People like it, sounds good. But actually, in the early days, if that's adding a lot of time to your editing, there's no need for it. There's really no need for it. But later on, certainly, once you've got your hang of, you've put more time into the content, your presentation skills are good, add that in, add that polish. And the next one is the hard limit as well. So normalization, or if you're just doing a gain in Audacity, for example, it's a classic one, you'll just uh, do the gain to minus two dB or something like that. It's not ideal, because if you have any really loud bits, it's not quite leveling out your sound. So put in a hard limit, though, most DAWs will do this really easily for you as well. It cuts off those really loud bits, and then you can either put your gain up to minus 2 dB or normalize it either way. And that will get your levels even better. So that's kind of a next level of polish in terms of getting your levels up there. Again, we've got a guide to that. If you want to grab one of the handouts at the end, I've got a guide, a video, that shows you how to do all, four of, uh, all five of these um, activities. So you'll, uh, you can see how to do them. If there's, if there's anything here you don't understand, that's all good show you how. So that's it, me too. And I'll just say our tool Alitu as well, our podcast maker app, it does a lot of this for you. The normalization, the hard limit, um, the trim, well, it doesn't do the trim for you, but it does all of the cleanup for you. So tools like Alitu and other tools that do similar stuff will do this for you and make the editing simpler as well. And can add your music too. So I'll add your music to the start and the end of every single episode as well. So if you want someone to make it even easier, by all means, please check it out. Now, here's one that I like a lot. You'll all use some kind of scripting tool, I'm sure. Many people use Google Docs. People use Evernote, that kind of stuff. Something that I found recently, how many people have used Notion in the past? It's pretty big now. There's quite a few haven't heard of it still, though. Notion is great for podcast scripting because of a few little extras that it adds in. Google Docs is fine for collaboration, stuff like that. You can create some good text scripts in there. But Notion adds a couple of things. It adds organization to start with. So this is what our podcast planning looks like. This is season 10 of PodCraft. You can put in your description. You can put in kind of an outline of what it is so that your team can work together on uh, putting together the scripts. But you see those ones at the bottom. They're all pages within it. So Notion helps you organize things. The thing I always struggled with with Google Docs was like, how do you actually organize and find the right things? But with Notion, it's like a website. It's a wiki, essentially. It's like a website. You can go into the pages. You can have various levels. You can have uh, your podcast and then the season below that and any actual episodes below that. So just being organized makes a big difference to me. But the other one, which I love as well, which saves us so much time in producing, is actually being able to uh, embed media as well. So we talked earlier on about that listener-created content. People send you in, you know, answer phone messages, whatever it is via Skype, email them in, whatever it is. You've got those bits of audio there. Here's one from SpeakPipe, for example. That's one of the tools we've used for it in the past. You can actually just take that, and instead of having to edit that audio in afterwards, you can embed it into your script, and it almost acts like a soundboard, where you can just be reading through your script, and then that's actually just right there. And you and your co-host, you and your interviewee, whoever it is that you're working with on this episode, you can both listen to it, you can both hear it, and if you've got the right setup, it can even be recorded right into the recording itself. Saves so much time and having to you know, listen ahead of time or edit it in afterwards, but you can embed that media to make it really easy and simple to get your recording done. Okay, Erin interviewees. So if you do run an interview show, one of the things that I find takes up so much time 
um, for a few different reasons as interviewees who kind of go off on one. You've got a lot of shows out there that actually don't really take control of their interviewees. Either um, it's up front when you don't really think about who you're picking, you don't really vet the quality and so you go off on lots of tangents and you don't have great stories and stuff like that. Or maybe it's the prep with the interviews, kind of preparing them for how your show runs and what type of show you want to create. There's a lot you can do with interviewees ahead of time to save yourself time in editing and production afterwards and save yourself time in the recording process as well. So one, uh, well, so here's a few things for a start. So one thing I always do with interviewees is I do talk to them about the length of their answers. So you've probably all heard many a podcast where an interviewee just goes off on one and talks for five or ten minutes on an answer. They repeat themselves two or three times. I like to talk to an interviewee ahead of time and say, like, so for our show, we like to keep things nice and concise. We like to keep it conversational. We don't like to hear just one voice for five minutes at a time. So here's what I recommend. Try and, when you're doing your answers, try and keep it mm, 30 seconds, one minute long at the most. And you don't need to go too deep because if uh, I realize that the listeners want to hear more about particular things, I'll ask them, okay? So you tell the interviewee that and they tend to keep their answers a lot shorter. And it means that you can guide it much more as well because you know what your listeners want to hear. You know the depth of content that they might want to hear. So you can actually dig into more uh, detail on any of the areas that you think they'll actually want. Rather than the interviewee controlling it and deciding what to go into detail on, you're trying to keep them lighter and trying to keep it so that you actually direct it much more uh, clearly. So that's what I like to do as well. The other thing I like to do is prepare interviewees by actually picking out at least one story whereby I'll say, what is your sort of most engaging content? What's the thing that people react to most? And then you talk to them about that. And you can do this on email. You can do this even with your uh, automated booking form as well. Like, what is your most common story? Give me three questions to line it up. And it's really worthwhile doing this because it means that you can just get to the point so much quicker. You know exactly where you want to go. You can keep the interview nice and tight and focused. You can ask those questions and the interviewee knows that you're going to get to it. So he's not trying to, he or she's not trying to, you know, lever that into the conversation. They know you're going to get to it and it means that they're more relaxed as well. So there's a couple of things you can do, but the main thing here is really taking more control over your interviews, giving your interviewees more instruction so that they're not going to go off on random tangents, which means that you have to then edit them out afterwards or, you know, just spend much more time either writing up the show notes or all that kind of stuff. Any way that you can make an interview more focused, more prepared, it, well, it obviously uh, increases the quality of the content, but it takes less time for you afterwards to do the editing, the production, and create that show notes. Okay, the final one here, the warm-up. Now, this is one I was slightly hesitant to put in because I'm going to have to make a bit of a fool myself here, but some vocal warm-ups, they make such a difference for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it makes your podcast sound better because if you do some vocal warm-ups, your voice gets better, your voice warms up, you're more clear, you can enunciate, people can understand you more clearly. But to the focus of this talk, it saves you so much time because when I do this, I have so many less edits to do afterwards. 
I trip over my tongue. I mess things up so much fewer. I always know when I've forgotten to do it. I always know when I've messed that up and I've gone straight into the talk um, or into the podcast recording because I'll just keep tripping over my tongue. I'll keep making mistakes and it just means more editing time afterwards. So it doesn't matter what kind of warm-up you do. You can find loads of videos on this. Again, grab, a, um, grab one of the handouts and you'll get a link to a few that I recommend. But the silly ones like... The one that always makes a difference to me, mainly, is I don't know if it's just me or if it's everyone, but my lips, warming up my lips makes a big difference. So doing something like, <laughs> making shapes with your lips like that, it makes such a difference to the way you can talk and the way you can pronounce things. And then you've got tongue twisters. They sound ridiculous, but they do make a difference. You know, Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, pickled peppers, something like that. You know, those kind of things. Red leather, yellow leather. Those kind of tongue twisters, you've all probably heard them. They're kind of a, a cheesy cliche on uh, you know, movies and stuff like that, but it's because they make a difference. They help you sound better and they save you so much time in editing. So have a look around, find some that work for you, and then that'll help you reduce your editing time afterwards. So just to sum things up, we've got two big ideas here. And then we can jump into a bit of Q&A if you're interested. We've got simple routines and we've got purposeful tools, okay? So I want you to find a routine that works for you, the simplest, most regular routine that you can do on a regular basis. Whether that's using seasons to simplify the planning, maybe it's going solo from time to time to simplify the logistics, uh, maybe it's going live and repurposing that, or definitely commit to a simple editing routine thing is you need to find that routine that just repeats and repeats and repeats from like, your booking process to your vocal warm-up. And then you've got the tools. Using tools with real purpose. Because I think, I don't know about you guys, but I certainly am really guilty of just finding a shiny new tool, a gadget, and just trying to use it because I think it's cool. Instead, you want to use fewer tools, but better tools and go deep into them as well. Like for example, the booking tools, like I said, so many people don't use half of the depth you can in booking tools. The click edit, that's a tool as well. And it works so, easy, so well with like, easy editing packages like Alitu or you know, just, being able to, just being able to find those edits really simply and quickly. It works with any package. But above all, find the parts of this that work for you, find anything that goes into your routine that helps you save time, even increase your quality, and then allocate the rest of that time to your content, to actually creating better content. Talk to your listeners, find out what they want from you. What do they want to hear more of? What do they want to hear less of? Because that's what makes the difference to your audience growth, not an extra pass of compression or you know, a bit of EQ or something like that. Instead, Get simple, get tooled up, and then that is what really will help you grow your audience. Thanks very much. Yes, happy taking questions around editing or uh, you know anything around cutting time on your show. We've got a mic here, so put your hands up and we'll find you. Thanks, great, uh, great presentation. Um, so one thing that I've tried that I have not been successful at is taking my, my show that I've recorded, um, uh, speeding it up so that it just plays faster when I go do my editing. Oh, yeah. You yes. know, rather than listening to it at real time, I, I speed it up, but yeah. it just has not worked. No. <laughs> <laughs> do you have, I mean, have you, do you have any tips on how to 
use that uh, approach to yeah. speeding up your editing, or do I just give up on trying? No, it's a good, it's a really good question. It's actually really valuable for sure. Um, now you're absolutely right. There's not actually many DAWs that do that at all. In fact, I've never found a traditional DAW that lets you do that. If anyone knows of one, by all means, shout it out because I've not found one. What I've tried in the past is with Audacity or Audition or whatever it is, I do like speed up the bit of audio and try and listen. But like you say, it turns into chipmunk voice, chipmunk voice, and you can't really do it. Um, not to talk about our own thing again, but we built that into Alitu because it was something that I hadn't seen anywhere else. So in Alitu, you can do a two times speed or a one and a half, just like you do when you're listening to a podcast, uh, but it's at your normal voice, again, like you're listening to a podcast. Um, but it's, it's actually, it's really valuable, it does. If you want to listen to your show, um, and like, I mean, I talked about the click trick here about not having to listen to the whole thing and just do your edits just with the clicks, but it is valuable to listen to the whole show every now and again, to hear what you sound like, to, you know, get a bit of critical feedback yourself on your show, but doing that much faster is valuable. So yeah, absolutely. So that's one way you can do it. And yeah, if there's anyone else knows of another DAW that can do that, then by all means, let me know, because it'd be good to know. <laughs> no worries. Um, with uh, audio editing, I've come across a bad rep repetitive habit of kind of burning myself out trying to uh, record that, not at once, but trying to keep that momentum going. And I, I sure. think, you know, you mentioned the live thing. That seemed like a good place of, mm. uh, you know, ensuring that uh, my uh, motivation's there. But is there also the factor of, um, you know, putting a better structure? Like, for example, if you do a, a solo podcast, you know, you're not, you know, you're not bouncing off of other people. You're yeah. just, you, you create a structure. Would you recommend that you create a structure and topic points to sort of mold what you want to talk about? Maybe? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Structure is uh, highly underrated. <laughs> so many podcasters avoid yep. process, structure, formats, you know, a kind of a template for a show because people often say to me they don't want to be constrained. You know, a, a structure, a format is too constraining. We're, too, we're creatives. The whole power of podcasting is just talk about whatever you like. But actually, it's almost like it's like a blank page, you know, if you're writing. Having no format, no structure, it's like that blank page. It kind of terrifies you a little bit. It makes it much harder to plan. And it makes you go off on tangents all the time. It can cut your motivation, like you say. Like it can be, you know, how long am I going to talk for? I'm not even sure. I, a lot of the shows that I work on, we have a really strict format for them. So we'll have an intro that I'll say, this is how we run our intro. We talk about the entire thing. We say, um, here's the teaser, here's what it's about, here's what it's gonna solve, here's maybe our unique take on it, and uh, here's three teasers for what's gonna be in it. So that's this kind of structure I always have for an intro. And then I'll go through the theory. So I'll actually talk about the theory of this show, uh, sorry, of that topic. But then the third part in my normal format is I'll do case studies, stories. So I've talked about the theory, but then I'll do some case studies and I'll give some examples. And then the final is the takeaways. It's the, it's the homework, the tasks. I always have that. So that's an example of a structure, a format I use for a lot of the teaching shows that I work on. I have those four things that I, work, that I include every single time. And within those four things, I actually have a bit of a format for them too. So absolutely, I think it helps for planning. It makes it easier to plan when you have that structure. It's like a template just to fill in as opposed to creating it new every time. 
and it just makes for better quality content too because you're always kind of, you've got a, a guide as to what to include and, and to follow. So yeah, hope that helps. I'm wondering if you have uh, done batch recording and have any thoughts on like what makes that work, not work, uh, you know, any, any tips there? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we do that quite often actually. Yeah, for PodCraft particularly, Matthew and I record a few episodes at a time quite often. <sighs> Things that make it work and not work. I mean, I think you have to find the volume that fits you. So I know podcasters that can record eight episodes in a day. Um, I can't do that. There's absolutely no way I can do that. I know, and I've listened back to shows when I've recorded, I can hear my energy start to dip <laughs> after, I think about two hours is my limit. So that means four episodes at the length we're on. So we do half an hour, half an hour, half an hour, half an hour. So by about four episodes, I'm done, <laughs> I'm finished. Um, so I can only tend to do maybe, yeah, that's a month worth ahead of time. Other than that, I mean, I think one of the things that's worthwhile doing, something that Matthew and I do quite often when we record in our our duo show is figuring out your intros because that's actually the funny one with batch recording because quite often at the start of the show you go hey Matthew how are you getting on what were you up to this week and then suddenly you're you either have to say the same thing four times in a row it sounds ridiculous uh, or you have to try and make up something so we often have a quick chat ahead of time and say right here's what kind of four things can we talk about that we have done in the last week or the last month that we can fit into the intros and make it sound natural so we can still have a conversation, make it sound like it's different every time, and that can make the batch recording sound more natural and more normal. But I think the key one's that energy thing, actually. It's just, it's around figuring out what you can do, find out what works for you. But it does, it makes a huge difference. Like, you know what it's like coming up with a new topic every week or, you know, thinking, oh, I've got to record. Like, we, we all love podcasting, but every now and again, it feels like you're on a treadmill just trying to keep up. So if you can record a few ahead of time, then it makes all the difference. You get a week or two off just to uh, plan the content or concentrate on growth or anything else. Okay, anyone else? All right, perfect. What was that? No? Okay, perfect. Thanks very much, folks. Thanks for coming along. And remember, handouts up the front, too.